This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 587. Great to have your company once again. Thanks for joining us. It's greatly appreciated. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, eSIMs are on the rise thanks to Optus. Is the plastic SIM card dead? Telstra has deployed AI to improve its customer service and the new Celestron Origin automated smart telescope that makes capturing stunning astro images a snap. In the Tech Guide reviews, we run our eyes over the MetaQuest 3 VR headset. Ring has released its first battery-powered video doorbell pro and the slick Oppo A18 smartphone that costs just 219 bucks. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. That little plastic SIM card may be on the way out. In fact, I know it is on the way out. It's a matter of time before it is completely phased out of your smartphone. SIM stands for Subscriber Identifier Module. So it's basically how the network identifies your phone uh, on its network. So how your phone is identified. It's like its little ID card for the network. Now, since phones have been around, we've seen SIM cards and they've gotten smaller and smaller. But the fact that they are still uh, a piece of plastic that we need to put in our smartphone, that is all about to change. And the trend has begun. And would you believe the Optus outage in November has kicked off a surge of movement towards eSIMs? Now, there's some data that was put together by TPG Telecom. They're the company behind Vodafone, TPG and IINet. They were saying that one in four new and re-signing customers were activating the eSIM on their smartphone. Now, you, a lot of you listening right now probably have a phone that has an eSIM. If you've got an iPhone from the last five years, if you have a Samsung from the last four or five years, uh, you some Motorola phones, are all, the full list is on Tech Guide of the phones that do have an eSIM. But if you've bought a, an Apple or a Samsung phone in the last five years, you've got an eSIM on board, which means you can do a few things. You can retain your plastic SIM card and get another number on the eSIM. So you might be a work, uh, you might have a work number, you might have a, a private number, you might be a tradie. So you've got your work number, you've got your private number. You could, rather than having to carry around two phones, you could potentially keep one SIM card, so keep your physical SIM card, and then have your other car, your other number on the eSIM. Same thing too if you're traveling. Uh, I know a lot of people who have, they buy a travel, a travel eSIM overseas and they can actually order it online and scan a barcode and they've got their eSIM activated 
even before their plane has has arrived at the at the gate, they can do a lot a lot of a lot of uh, plans that are advertised in in airline magazines and things. So it's you or you could just do it at the airport. So this saves a lot of trouble. Now the reason the Optus outage really spurred this is I think there were a lot of unhappy customers who just wanted out. And Vodafone, I can recall, on the day, on November 8, were sent out a press release about how easy it is to switch networks using the e- your eSIM. So having using the eSIM means you don't need to go into a store. You don't need to wait to receive a plastic SIM card in the mail. You don't have to go into the store to pick up the SIM card. It's all done remotely. And so there were a lot of customers who were leaving Optus in the rearview mirror and deciding to the fastest way to do that is to use their eSIM. So uh, that, that, that accounts for this massive rush. So one in four, and that's just Vodafone, by the way. That's one in four Vodafone customers. You remember Optus, Telstra, and even some MVNO, some mobile virtual network operators, also offer eSIM, including Amazim. Superloop, Kogan Mobile, Labara, Felix Mobile, TBG, a lot of, lot of MVNOs also offer eSIMs, so it's really easy to switch. And looking at it from another angle, not being, not having to produce plastic for the cards means less manufacturing, less packaging, therefore less shipping. So uh, there's nothing that needs to be delivered. So it, it's uh, it's a, getting rid of something that we that we had before. It's like it's like the phone the phone manufacturers Apple and Samsung no longer put a power brick in your phone because they know you've got one. And so rather than having to manufacture all these other ones that are you you already had one with the previous phone you bought, they decided to get rid of it, and that saved on their money. It saved on the size of the packaging. It made shipping them a lot a lot more environmentally friendly. This is just another, I think, another move down that path as well. Uh, so, yeah, the, the list of phones, well, iPhone from the iPhone XR and newer, so that's you're talking five-year-old phone there, the Galaxy S20 and later, uh, also the Galaxy Note phones, uh, all the Z Fold phones, Z Flip phones and newer, so it's from the original Z Fold and original Z Flip to the present models, also have eSIMs, the Pixel 4 and above, the Oppo Find X3 Pro, Find N2 Flip, the Reno 5A and many others. The Motorola Razr phones also have uh, eSIM on board, but I've got the entire list there on Tech Guide. So if you're if you're thinking of making the move, you can activate that eSIM that maybe you didn't even know was on, on board your phone. So take advantage of it, but also, as I said, take advantage of the fact that you can have a second number. If you do have a second phone that you carry around, you might be able to get one of those numbers uh, on on the eSIM on your phone. So you've still got the two numbers, but on one device. Same thing when you're traveling. If you do want to travel, get a travel number, then you're able to save there as well. Save some, just having that other, that spare number. Uh, allows you then to make that your preferred number when you're traveling and uh, easy to connect because you don't actually have to put a SIM card in your phone. That's half the battle, finding a SIM card, finding a plan and then getting the SIM card. Now all you do is just find the plan. No more SIM cards. Plastic SIMs are on the way out. In fact, 
iPhones sold in the US, I think from the iPhone 14 onwards, so last year and this year, US iPhones no longer have a SIM card tray. They only have uh, the eSIM. I think they might even even have a dual eSIM as well. That's what we're seeing with uh, with the, with the if, if it doesn't have a physical SIM, the dual SIM is what we're going to see. So it's not going to be less SIM slots. It's going to be just eSIM slots, so two of them coming up. You want to check that out. eSIMs are definitely the future. Plastic SIMs, really old hat now and on the way out. I'd say within probably four to five years, I reckon there won't be any phones that have plastic SIM cards. It's the, It started now. eSIM is on the rise. Check out our story at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, I don't know if you are like me and when you have to call for help, for support, for, to, you know, to, you need to call your telco or your internet service provider, that's a call most of us dread because you're probably connected not often to someone in Australia. They don't know who you are or they know you're a customer, but they really they got to ask you all these things, and you got to you got to tell them. And often you you transferred to someone else, and you've got to then tell tell them everything again, which is a real pain. And it takes time. It's it's a time killer. You, you're on the phone for ages, and I know some people think oh, I couldn't be bothered ringing. They just put up with the problem or whatever it is, or try to find support elsewhere. They couldn't be bothered, but. Telstra has deployed new AI technology, AI-driven tools to improve their customer service. So to, to make it quicker, that's that's the thing. It's that they you want to reach an outcome, a satisfying outcome. They want to be able to provide the help and keep you as a customer. So it's in their best interests to improve that customer service transaction, that call that contact with their customer, I think it it's very important. Now, what they've done, they're using generative AI to help their frontline staff. So they, they, they've got a couple of tools. One is called One Sentence Summary and the other's called Ask Telstra. Now, these were developed in-house using generative AI solutions and this also leverages the power of the Microsoft Cloud and it's Azure Open AI capabilities. We've heard a lot about AI, uh, and this is yet another deployment of that technology. Now, the the one sentence summary is a an Azure Open AI tool. It's got a large language model built in, and can transform customer notes, recent transactions, and interactions into a summary, which is right there at the Telstra workers' fingertips. So the Telstra customer service agent has all of your details and because of this one-sentence summary tool, it looks at all your file and you might have called before about this or you might have there's something on your account or some some special thing you've got plugged in or some feature that you've got. All of that is there and summarised and put front and centre. Rather than having to go through files and look at different things and find out stuff, it's all summarized there for you. That's a really great tool of AI is summarizing things. Couple of examples on the new S24, the Galaxy Samsung Galaxy phone. 
their built-in browser has a browser assist. So say you're you're a tech guide and there's a big long story I've written. You, if you're looking at it through the the Samsung browser on that phone, you can actually you can summarize the article, and it'll give you the bullet points of of what's in it, and you can then decide. Okay, that's interesting. I want to read the whole thing. In the same way, you can use AI, and this is with Copilot, all other AI that you can find. You can summarize long documents. Uh, so you you using the power of AI, Telstra allows them to summarize all of your details, all of your needs, all of your specifications, your account, your transactions and interactions, all in one spot, summarizes it so they're able to deal with what you what your issue. Now, the other part of this is, the, uh, is Ask Telstra. Now, this is an internal tool for them. So this shows, this allows them to then look at their internal data, the knowledge bases, and come up and really simplify and speed up the process to come up with a solution for you. So there's rather than thinking, oh, let me just put you on hold and you're waiting for 10 minutes, this speeds up the process. Now, the tools were trialed in 2023, and it showed that 90% of Telstra employees save time and increase their effectiveness, and that, that resulted in faster resolutions. 20% less follow-up contact as well. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's a great result right there. Now, I think that we're going to see that AI is going to help a lot of people. There was always the, the fear-mongering is, oh, AI is going to replace, take all our jobs. Well, in this instance, it's not really replacing the jobs because Telstra still want to have a human interaction with their customers. And recently, they brought a lot of their support staff and call centers back to Australia. In fact, that they they base a lot of their call centers around your community. So if you're ringing from Sydney, there's chances are the callers, the call centers, or the callers that may be working remotely are, are not located not far from you. Other telcos need to follow follow this example, uh, not just on the the call center being in Australia, but also using any means possible, whether it's AI or something else to help get your issue resolved. We'll see less complaints to the telecommunications industry ombudsman. Uh, it, it, your problem, if there is one, will be sorted out faster. That is the ideal solution to help you to get the services you're paying for and to keep you as a customer. I think uh, applause to Telstra here for going down this path to help improve that customer relationship. It's very important, I think, for to keep a customer is 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 a tough is tough nowadays. There's a lot of competition out there, and and customers are willing to move. We heard we heard in the last segment how many people quit Optus because of that outage, and they were able to join other telcos through with using an eSIM. Uh, I think if you can provide that excellent customer service, and if AI can help you achieve that more effectively, efficiently, and quicker, then everyone wins. Good on Telstra, the one-sentence summary and Ask Telstra. These are, these are bespoke generative AI tools created by Telstra for Telstra. Uh, be good to see other telcos and other internet service providers do the very same thing. Putting AI to great use. If you want to read more, check that story out at techguide.com.au. Now, here is an absolute cracker, the Celestron 
Origin. Now, this is a computerized smart telescope. Now, I'm excited about this because I'm into this stuff. I am into astrophotography. I have a telescope. I've got a camera, a mount. Been at it about four years. I've been in the game. And it's a hobby that is really, it's amazing, but it also takes a lot of work to to get good at it. So the idea of the Celestron Origin is to give you all the tools in one package that helps you align the telescope, find what you want to photograph, and then photograph it for you and, and stack the image. I'll explain what that means a bit later. Then you get the amazing result at the end of the day. So it's like an automated – they've automated the process that I've been battling to learn and improve over the last four, four and a half years. Uh, so this is – and look, this isn't cheap. It's $7,000, 6999 Nothing in in in, tele, in astronomy is cheap. Telescopes are expensive. Mounts, cameras, we're talking thousands of dollars here. So this is a hobby that isn't cheap, but it, that's really rewarding and fascinating. I know every time I share my images on social media, on Instagram, wherever I happen to share them, they get heaps of likes and people just say, that is amazing. And a lot of people say, how do you do that? How can I do that even? And trying to explain to them that it's not just – it's a process that costs uh, – it, it costs a lot of money, but it takes a lot of time. But like, I've got to set up the mount. I've got to put the telescope on there. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to uh, align the telescope as well. I need to align so that it, it follows the it, – it follows the rotation of the earth because often I'm, I'm shooting – my exposures are up to 10 minutes long. So the mount – has to track the rotation of the Earth if it has been aligned properly so that I don't get any blurs and, and elongated stars. They're still pin sharp. So it's quite a process. And the telescope as well, depending on the size and the power of the telescope, will determine what sort of images and just the sort of magnification you can get for what you want to shoot. And then, of course, there's the camera, which in my case, I use a dedicated astro camera. So it looks like it looks like this red tin can that's got a special sensor on board that's placed at the end of the telescope. So normally where the eyepiece would go, the the camera, the astro camera goes there. So you've got the mount, you've got the telescope. I've done my alignment, which needs a whole other set of tools to do that, and then I need to control it remotely with a with my iPad, and all of that is, uh, bits we put together. Now what Celestron's done is put all of that in one package. So you've got the mount, you've also got the telescope, you've got the sensor, the camera sensor built in. It's got Wi-Fi, local Wi-Fi connectivity as well. It's got a companion app. So it really does all the heavy lifting for you. So let's go through the whole thing. So you've got your tripod. So this is the what keeps your telescope securely secure to the ground. So it's balanced, it's, it's, it's level, uh, that's included. There's also a fork mount, which the telescope is then put uh, on the on the side of the of the mount. In my case, I use an equatorial mount, which is a whole new, a whole different type of mount. But for for the for the purposes of, of this, it basically does the same thing. So it's automated, it's computerized. So it does once it once it's been aligned, it can track the rotation. It can track with the rotation of the Earth. So you're getting some amazing shots. Now, the telescope itself 
is a six-inch Roe Ackerman Schmidt astrograph, otherwise known as a RASA telescope. And basically how this works, the light comes in the front of the telescope, bounces off the mirror at the base, and then refocuses on the sensor at the at the at the front of the telescope, it's basically it's literally in the middle of the front lens, and that's where the camera sensor is located. So light comes in, it's then focused on the sensor, and that's how you take your photograph. In my case, I've got a Celestron telescope that I can either mount the camera in the middle of the lens like this one, or at the bottom of the of the light train uh, where the eyepiece would normally go, which is what I usually do. Uh, it just gives a uh, it just may, it's a bit easier to set up and manage that way. But in this instance, you're still getting all the benefits. You're still getting the brilliant resolution and the the magnification and the uh, of the telescope, and it's focusing on that sensor that's built into the telescope. So it's like a camera built into the tel telescope, rather than me having to to attach a tel a separate uh, camera to the scope as well. Now, it also does automatic alignment. It does have some technology built in called star sense technology. So basically what it does, the telescope aims at the sky, goes, right, okay, I know what that is. It goes to another part of the sky. Okay, I know what that is. It goes to another part of the sky. I know what that is. It does what they call plate solving. So it sees a part of the sky. It goes, yep, I know what that is. I know where that is. And the other bit goes, yeah, I know where that is. I know where that is. It does three little scans and then knows exactly how it's aligned. And it knows exactly where it is in on the in the world, right, on the planet, and so then all you need to do is grab this Celestron app and then choose what you want to shoot. So you might want to shoot the uh, Orion Nebula or whatever's up in our – oh, you, you see there they've got, the, they've got the sky the sky map up there. Uh, part, of, part, of the, part of the app is the sky safari maps. So you're able to hold up your phone and – if you move your phone around, it'll reflect what you're looking at in the sky. So if you're holding your phone up and it's you're looking at Jupiter, the star map on the phone, it'll show you all the names of the stars that are in your view. And you can then choose to say, right, I want to shoot that. I want to shoot the Sculptor Galaxy. I want to shoot Andromeda Galaxy. Or I want to shoot the Statue, the, the Statue of Liberty Nebula or the Cat's Paw Nebula. All of these nebulas or the Eastern Vale Nebula. And so you, all, you, all you do then is select it, and because the telescope knows exactly where it is, it'll slew to that part of the sky and then start photographing for you. So the, fo the photographic process works like this. Once I've found my target, I decide how long my exposures are going to be. So it could be if it's 600 seconds, that's 10 minutes. If it's 300 seconds, that's five minutes. So normally I go for five-minute exposures depending on the brightness of the target. And I normally shoot that target for between two and three hours. So all the number of shots that I bring in later on in post in my in my post processing, I stack all those images, which makes the photo a higher quality, gives me more data then to be able to edit the photograph. That's a process. With the Celestron Origin, it's doing that on the fly. So it's stacking and optimizing every time a new shot comes in. So we call them subs. So all your light subs, five minute, ten minute, however you set it to be, it is expo it is stacking those exposures. So all you get in the end is the result, and and it's remarkable. You can even 
because there's Wi-Fi built in, you can you can have uh, connect this sit inside your house, even put it up on your television to see the live results coming in. You might see the the oh right, that's a great shot. Oh, it's getting better. There we go. So you can check in on it. Amazing. This is like for someone who has been at it for a while and has taken like on my skill level, I reckon can match the origin now. But it took me four years to do it. So someone could buy this. It comes out in April. They could buy this and be shooting like an expert that night. It's incredible. Now, it's $6,999. It's actually called the Celestron Origin Intelligent Home Observatory, 6999. You can pre-order it ahead of an April delivery, and you can order it through my good mates at Bintel. They're over at Glebe. Uh, Bintel is short for Binocular and Telescope Shop. Uh, and there's some other links if you're living in Adelaide, other states of Australia. There's some links on where you can – Bintel can ship it around Australia anyway. Uh, that's who I actually buy all my gear through that I've uh, that I've been using over the last few years. Some good good guys, good people down there, really helpful. If you've got any questions and if you've got any, any dramas, they, they can help you sort it out. And believe me, I had a lot of questions when I first started. But the Celestron Origin at least gives you a, a bit of a running start for you to get up and running and see the results straight away. It is absolutely incredible. If you want to check that out a little bit closer, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. If your home demands superior Wi-Fi, treat it with a masterpiece in connectivity. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6E from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6E is the first and only Wi-Fi 6 quad band whole home mesh system opening an exclusive all-new 6 gigahertz superhighway that's fine-tuned to deliver unprecedented Wi-Fi speeds and smoother streaming simultaneously across the smart homes of today and tomorrow. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Find out more at netgear.com.au forward slash best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. This is a big one, the Meta Quest 3. This is the VR headset. It was released a few months ago. Costs uh, starts at $800, $799.99, which I know I can hear what you're saying. It's a lot cheaper than the Apple Vision Pro. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk about that. It's funny that when the Meta Quest 3 was announced, Mark Zuckerberg uh, who's the Meta was a Facebook boss. Meta is part, is the parent company of Facebook. He did have a little dig at Apple. Like this, this was announced. I think about about a month after Apple had unveiled the Apple Vision Pro, which is like three and a half thousand US dollars. It's going to be six grand in Australia when it comes out. I reckon in the middle of the year. He did say that the MetaQuest is that was the best value headset you can buy and you know what there's not much to argue about that i think he's got a point because the apple vision pro is uh is way more expensive a lot better but a lot more expensive in fact in my review i wrote that comparing the MetaQuest 3 to the apple vision pro which i've used is like comparing a toyota camry to a lamborghini they're just miles apart in terms of quality technology, eye tracking, 
so much more in the Vision Pro. Now, the MetaQuest 3, to its credit, has improved greatly over the MetaQuest 2. Costs a lot more, nearly almost twice the price, but it is a massive improvement in terms of audio, video quality. It's like 30% better video quality resolution. And performance-wise also has had a massive jump as well. But I think it's not quite a an, an Apple v. Apple uh, – uh, probably wrong analogy there. It, it, it's like apples and oranges comparing the Apple with the MetaQuest 3. The MetaQuest 3 basically does the same thing. VR does it very well. Uh, but I think it's weakness and the what's holding it back from becoming a bigger and more popular product are the controllers. I think the controllers are – they're really – they take a bit of getting used to. They, they're a bit cumbersome trying to find the, – the, there's so many buttons on them and just trying to get that right by feel is was hard for me and I'm, I consider myself pretty tech savvy. For other people, it could be a deal breaker. Like I, I remember I brought this out and my wife and kids and everyone was around and everyone was taking turns and I sort of had the Nature Trek VR. So it's basically treks in nature – that you can enjoy with the VR headset. I remember giving the head, putting the headset on my wife and giving her the controllers and she had no idea what to do with the controllers. Didn't know what was what. I explained to her what you need to do, but she said, that's too hard. She just handed them back to me and just enjoyed just looking around. She wasn't interacting with the controllers. She wasn't doing anything with the controllers. Now, Zuckerberg made the comparison with Vision Pro and I'm going to take it even further now. The Vision Pro, the strength of the Vision Pro, on top of its technology, eye tracking, all the all the, the slickness to it, and I've used it, by the way, okay? Remember, I've used the Vision Pro, and it's incredible. The other strength of the Vision Pro is that there are no controllers. It's just your hands and gestures. Now, the, the MetaQuest 3 has some limited hand control, but it's still very rudimentary, pretty primitive, and not to the level where you can just ignore the controllers. The controllers are always going to be there. So once you've learned about what the controller does for that particular app that you're using, you change to another app and you've got to relearn it again. You've got to think, okay, this does this in this app and this does this, and the that's a bit of work. Uh, so and I think the the – VR is gonna is gonna take off because Apple's involved. Okay, it's ironically it's it's not as accessible for people. Right. So what what will make VR a, a more mainstream thing is the fact that Apple's entered the market. But I, the irony is Apple's made it so expensive that only a select amount of people will be able to afford it and buy it and use it. So it's really until that technology filters down to other to cheaper products and until HTC and PlayStation and MetaQuest develop either better controllers or get rid of them altogether, then that will hopefully see some improvement. But MetaQuest 3, HTC Vive, the PlayStation VR 2 are all going to benefit from Apple coming into the market. That old saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. I've said that a lot. And in this instance, Apple has validated the market. Them entering the market says to the world, 
this is worthwhile, we are pursuing this, therefore it's a valid category. And so the afterglow is going to be seen with MetaQuest 3, HTC, PlayStation VR 2. So they're going to benefit from Apple being in the market. I know for a fact the boss of HTC, Thomas Dexmier, lovely bloke, I remember asking him and and sort of scared to hear the answer. I said, mate, how do you feel about Apple being in the market? And he goes, mate, I can't wait for them to be in the market because it means, well, like I just described, it's going to make everyone more aware of VR. It's going to make the market bigger and more popular. And that's what's happening. Now, the MetaQuest 3 is going to cash in on that on that popularity. And it's if if look, if you if you're willing to take the, to w- get to know these controllers. And look, I'm making them sound probably worse than they are, but the the it's like I described it in my review as having a really nice car but with a crappy steering wheel. If you can't steer the car and use the car properly, then the experience is, is, is suffers. If you can't find the controls properly, the experience suffers. That's the same with this. There are, there are three buttons on each controller as well as a joystick, and there's a trigger button and a side button, a grab button. Now, I often hit the wrong button. Every, every one, 50% of the time, I hit the wrong button. So what hope has anyone else got of using this? I think if, 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 I, put this, if I put this on my, my mother to use, to put it on her head to use, she, she would give it back to me, so it's too hard. Whereas if I put the Vision Pro on her head and said, Mum, if you just need to, all you need to do is just look at something and, and just tap your finger and thumb together twice to select it or do – Look at that and hold your fingers together, drag it across. She would pick that up in 60 seconds. These controllers, she would never understand. You know, I know she's she's older, but even people my age and younger are going to feel these are a bit much. They need to be simplified. They need to be more streamlined. They need to not exist, if I've got to be honest. They've really got to either improve out of sight or be done away with altogether. Get that hand-tracking technology on the fast track get that to the point where you can put those controllers away. And it's just two things less that you need to charge or put batteries in. And, and look, HCC has controllers, so does PlayStation. I think it's inevitable uh, at the at the very start of the industry and probably the, in- the industry is not in its infancy anymore. It's been going for a while. But I think the sophistication of VR, if it relies on the controllers, then it's going to, they're going to have to do a lot of work on those controllers. If it can be done without a controller, then even better. Now, the MetaQuest 3 weighs more than half a kilo, so it's a bit it's a bit front heavy. Uh, I've got to say, setting it up was really easy. There's a lot of choices for contact, content, so you can play games, you can exercise with it, there's a lot of workouts on it you can do. You can uh, have experiences like the nature trek. Or we were all in these, all these different scenarios. We're in the outback, we're in the forest, we're in the snow, and it was fascinating. There's also other experiences. Uh, you can be uh, either have an experience or enjoy content. So many options and lot, lots to choose from. That, that's the advantage too. A lot of content to choose from, um, and it is it is easy to set up as I mentioned. Audio quality is also very impressive. There's like a little speaker that is sort of aims the sound down to your ear. And the resolution, each of the little displays has a 2064 by 2208 pixel resolution. That's 4K, more than 4K for each eye with up to 120 hertz adaptive refresh rate. 
30% improvement on the previous model. A lot of the games we played looked amazing, lifelike quality. Others, though, were a little cartoon-like. They weren't. Uh, they weren't quite. Uh, they weren't quite as lifelike as I would have imagined. Or w- would have preferred. Um, so, the still a, gr- a great experience. Well, once you're getting high, uh, used to those controllers, uh, and the what what you can also set up too, it lets you set up boundaries. So if you're in a room and you don't want to walk into the TV or into the furniture, you can. it actually looks through the front cameras and sees your room and establishes a boundary. And then uh, once you step out of that boundary, the front cameras turn on again so you can see where you are. If you stay within the boundary, you're totally immersed in the experience. You can even choose to be seated as well. So if you want to just sit down in, in the at your desk or wherever you are, you can enjoy it just as much sitting down. Uh, as well. Now, I played. Uh, I did play the the Nature Trek VR, which was not pretty cool. Uh, the Room Puzzle Game, the Room Dark Matter, I think it was called. That is amazing. I'm a big fan of the Room puzzles on the iPad. Uh, I did. Uh, I did see. I did see the. I did enjoy the puzzle game on the VR as well. That was excellent. I also played. Look, I'm a Star Wars fan. I played Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge, which was very nice, and Vader Immortal. Which that was honestly puts you inside the Star Wars universe. It was brilliant. Now, look, I, I, I hope I haven't made too big a deal about the controllers. I just reckon they could be better. They're, they're usable, barely, but I, they can be so much better because the experience isn't isn't going anywhere. This this to me, this this headset says to me that there is definitely a, a future, an exciting future in VR. Awaiting all of us, it just needs that, that. It needs to get a little bit better to make it as mainstream as these companies would like it to be. Now, the the battery life, I thought, could be better. There's a battery inside the uh, the headset that lasts barely two hours. You can though buy an elite strap with the battery on the back as well. That does two things: it balances the headset, so you've got a bit of weight at the back, a bit of weight at the front. But it also doubles your battery life, so you get like you get up to like three and a half to four hours if you got the the elite strap with the battery. That's an additional two hundred and twenty bucks, by the way, as well. So the MetaQuest Three is seven ninety nine ninety nine. That's with one twenty eight gig of storage. The only other storage option is five hundred and twelve gigabytes, and that's a thousand and forty nine bucks. That's quite a big jump. If you want to purchase the elite strap, that's just a strap to help sort of take the weight a little bit better. That's one hundred and twenty bucks. The battery strap is 220 bucks, and if you want to have a carrying case so you can take it anywhere, that's hundred another 120 bucks. So it's, it ain't cheap, but still cheaper than the Vision Pro, but still, in my opinion, not even in the same ballpark as the Vision Pro. It is a, it is a value alternative, though. The Meta Quest 3, uh, it is it, pretty cool. You can read my full review on a tech guide. It is There's a lot to digest there, but if you want to take the time, everything is there at techguide.com.au. couple of quick ones. Ring doorbell, the video doorbell pro available for the very first time in a battery powered edition. So now it just really makes it a bit more flexible. So you can uh, have more choices on where you can put it. Uh, it just connects directly to your Wi-Fi. Keep an eye on what's happening at your front door. It does incorporate the radar powered 3D motion detection 
along with bird's eye view to get more accurate alerts. So I think that's really important because uh, you can set the areas where you want the radar-powered bird's eye zones and bird's eye view that to give you feed to give you the notifications. You don't want those unnecessary notifications. Last thing you want. The Video Doorbell Pro from Ring, the battery-powered Video Doorbell Pro, has 1,536p, so that's 1536p, so that's a, a HD video. So that's a pretty impressive clarity. You get really nice uh, quality there. It's got really, uh, you can see a pin-sharp live view or pin-sharp recordings as well, even in low light and at nighttime as well. It gives you color night vision, does the trick for you there. Now, it also, I think a lot of people... They don't give enough credit to the audio quality of these doorbells. This has a noise-canceling audio plus, so you get really clear two-way audio. That's really important to be able to talk to the person at your front door as easily as if you're talking to them on a phone. That's how clear it is. So it's two-way audio lets you do that. It also has been built with privacy and security in mind as well. So you can set up privacy zones where it'll allow customers to block areas inside the camera's field of view that you might not want to record. Like maybe your kids might be playing in a part of the yard, front yard. You don't want them to be recorded. You can Things like that, you, you, you can protect all of that with uh, the privacy zones there as well. It also, too, incorporates with other Ring products. So if you might have another camera, uh, other products, it does incorporate with them, and you can all view everything within the same within the same app. It also, because Ring was actually bought out by Amazon, right? So Ring works naturally with Alexa devices. So if you've, uh, it allows them to see and hear and speak to visitors through an Echo or Fire TV device, or if you've got the video doorbell connected to an Echo Show device, you can actually receive alerts on the display and see the front door. You can say, uh, Alexa, show me the front door. Uh, and then you can even drop in to see a live view through the, through the, the Echo Show speaker as well through the doorbell's camera. Now, this goes on sale on March the 20th. So uh, get your money ready. $349 bucks it's going to cost, but it is Battery powered now. The Video Doorbell Pro, first time ever offered with battery power. Check it out, techguide.com.au. Now, Oppo has done a tremendous job with their smartphones and they've really boosted their credentials as a brand that offers value and features. Uh, with this latest smartphone, the Oppo A18. So this is the A-series device. Funny how Samsung have an A-series, affordable as well, but not as affordable as this. The uh, Oppo A-series, the A18, has a 6.56-inch HD Plus display, so 6.56-inch HD Plus 90 hertz sunlight display. So not only do you get up to 90 hertz refresh rate, but you're also getting... The sunlight display, which in in direct sunlight can actually boost with high brightness mode, boost up to 750 nits. So you can see your screen even in direct sunlight. And this is a phone that costs 219 bucks. Pretty good. It also has all-day AI eye comfort. So this reduces eye strain. So no matter how long you're using it, your eyes aren't going to get tired. That's a plus also. Now, you think a phone that costs 219 bucks looks ugly. It's actually not. It's pretty sleek. It looks pretty cool. It also has a really thin design. It's 8.16 millimeters thick, weighs just 188 grams, 
but has a rear panel that has this dual matte finish. So the idea behind that is no fingerprints. That is smart. Now, it is small. It is light. It is also durable. It has an IP54 dustproof and waterproof rating, an IPX4 water resistance rating as well. So durable also. Now, let's talk cameras. The A18 has an 8-megapixel main camera, 2-megapixel bokeh camera for your portrait shots, and a 5-megapixel front-facing camera to nail your selfies and your videos. And cameras, look, everyone wants a decent camera. This, this, this does the trick. It might only be 8-megapixel, but... How big do you need – like sharing photos online, I don't think there'll be a single person to go, oh, that's that's not an iPhone you've taken that with or a Samsung. No one will know because they look all, they all look good. And uh, at this price, I think it's, uh, it's, it's probably what you'd expect. Now, what powers the device is the MediaTek Helio G85 platform. It's got 4 gig of RAM, 128 gig of storage has a 5,000 milliamp hour battery and new technology that offers safety and battery, that improves charging safety, offers charging safety, but also improves battery reliability. So when you keep your battery on a regular charge cycle, it does last longer. So what this does, it's got, it's got this technology on board that gets to know your charging habits and schedule so make sure that it the charge that it schedules the charging to suit you. So rather than you maybe having it on charge all the time or uh, only charging it some of the time and not not getting that efficiency, that does it for you. So it's called all day charging protection. It uses AI to get to know your habits and to schedule the charge to suit. And this is on a two hundred nineteen dollar phone. Pretty cool. Available in two colors: glowing blue and glowing black. Priced at 219 bucks. it's available now from Oppo Online Store, JB Hi-Fi, Big W, Harvey Norman Online Only, as well as Bing Lee Online Only. And if you want to check it out for yourself, it is a pretty slick-looking unit. You can see it there at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. It's a new year and our digital generation continues to see a rise in cybercrime and data breaches. Don't leave your devices without protection or your personal information open to exposure. It's time to have a plan to keep your devices and personal information protected. Save your time and money should the unthinkable happen and your devices are at risk to cyber threats like malware, ransomware or viruses or your personal information being exposed to cyber criminals looking to trade your details on the dark web. Introducing Norton 360 Platinum with device security, a VPN for online privacy, parental controls and identity protection with dedicated restoration support and dark web monitoring. You have a comprehensive plan in place to help ensure your information stays in private. It's peace of mind for your devices and your identity. With Norton 360 Platinum, if you become a victim of identity theft, you'll have access to their dedicated identity restoration specialists to help you address your identity theft claim and help you resolve it. Norton 360 Platinum is available now at Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, or online at au.norton.com. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. 
The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you each and every week by our good friends at Belkin, belkin.com forward slash AU. Now, they have so many products, whether it's audio products, cable, screen protection, adapters, chargers, you name it, they've got it. They've also got a cool new product that's coming out that allows you to uh, mount your iPhone and it will actually allow you to shoot video and it will track you around the room. Uh, they've, they've got this new improved version of that product. Keep an eye out for that. We'll be writing all about it on Tech Guide very soon. Now, I had an email from a reader and it was an unfortunate one because she wrote to me saying, look, my, my husband uh, received an email to say that his PayPal account had been restricted and uh, he now can't get into his PayPal account. He, he called them and did this and that, and he now cannot use PayPal because his, his username and password has been, it, what this woman thought was, had been cancelled. What I, the sad news that I had to break to her was that you, her husband was the victim of a scam. There is a scam there called the Restricted Notice PayPal Scam. So customers would receive or users would receive an email or a text message to say their PayPal had been restricted. Uh, click here to share your account details and we'll unrestrict it for you. And that's a, unfortunately what he's done. And in, in the process, he shared his information, perhaps even his password to restore his account. And they've now taken that account over. So you imagine... PayPal is where people buy, can pay for things online, right? So that they'd have money in their accounts. So that's basically like a bank, that's like a bank scam. Bank bank security is way higher than this, right? So although if you if you receive this text message from a bank, my what my advice would be call the bank or go into the bank. In this instance, what he should have done is logged into his account on PayPal and found out there was nothing wrong with his account and he was all good. Now, unfortunately, if there was any money in his account, they've got full access to it because they've got the password, they've got everything, they've got all the information they need, and he probably never had two-factor authentication. That PayPal is now also uh, one of these sites that now uh, allows you to use uh, pass. So you, rather than having a password, you can actually just use your face ID or your fingerprint to identify that it's you, and then you can still have your two-factor authentication. Like I use PayPal, I use my fingerprint on my computer, but it still sends me a six-digit code every time I log in to my smartphone. So that way, yeah, there's no way in to my account unless you got my phone and you got my fingerprint, and that that's that's what that's that's their security. But unfortunately. It sounds like this gentleman didn't have that two-factor authentication. He thought the, the message was real. That's the, that's the takeout here. Check with the bank. Check with PayPal. Check with whoever sent you or whoever you think sent you that message. Check with the source. And that is our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you need to find out about anything we've spoken about, of course, at Tech Guide, you can see everything at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, we love hearing from you. Info at techguide.com.au is our email address. Or click on the Ask Stephen icon. That'll end up as an email in my inbox as well. We want to give a special thanks to our great sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the longtime supporters of the Tech Guide podcast, Netgear and Norton.
Thank you once again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. We'll be right back.